1: From Myanmar to the United States. Their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace.
0: We've not seen an increase in the percentage, the number of women in politics. As much as we've been pushing for it, as much as we have been celebrating Women's Month every year, uh, egging on and advocating for more women in politics, unfortunately, the numbers would tell us otherwise. Hello, everyone.
2: Salam, salam. Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. I'm Amina Rasool of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, saying hello from Manila. My uh, co-host, Professor Dr. Ayesa Abubakar, uh, still can't join us after her eye surgery. And uh, she just moved from Sabah to Penang. More about that and her move when she joins us for the next episode. You know, dear listeners, I remembered a friend once telling me that women's voices in a democracy is like the sound of canaries in a coal mine. You know what canaries are, right? They're, they're those cute little yellow birds that, that tweet so beautifully. During the Industrial Revolution, miners would bring these little cute yellow canaries with them into the mines. If the Canaries continued to sing as they went inside the mines, then they knew it was safe. If the Canaries stopped, then the miners knew that the mine was filled with poisonous gas. In a democracy, my friend told me, that women's voices are really like those canaries in a coal mine. If we women are heard, democracy is safe and alive. But if women's voices are silenced, then democracy is dying or dead. There is overwhelming evidence that women's participation in politics, in elections, is quite beneficial to both our communities and our societies to peace, stability, and security of the nation and the state. But unfortunately, we are far from reaching the goal of equal participation. Why is that, do you think? Last week, Our guest, Dr. Socorro Reyes, talked about how the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao, or BARM, has recently approved its electoral code. What is BARM? The BARM is an autonomous region for Muslims in Mindanao, in the Philippines, that has been established by law as part of the implementation of a peace agreement with the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, or MILF. The MILF has been at war with our government since the 70s, finally signing a peace agreement on January 24, 2014. The Philippine government's chief negotiator was Professor Miriam Coronel Ferrer, who has been our guest in a previous episode, and chief negotiator of the MILF, Mohager Iqbal, who is now the minister for education. They signed a peace agreement in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Now, what is interesting about this electoral code, according to Sok Reyes, is that while they lobbied very hard for more women uh, participating in uh, in elections. they wanted what they call the zipper style so that when you are a party and uh, you have candidates for parliament, then it would be male, female, male, female in the roster or female male, female, male. well, that did make it but The electoral code did include a, you know, uh, uh, I guess a good enough uh, number of women that should be uh, represented by uh, each uh, political party. So, this latest mechanism for the BARM regional government was approved unanimously, as uh, I understand it, with 64 affirmative votes and zero negative. Votes. So, well, let's see what's going to happen now that there is an uh, electoral code in the whole country, in the Philippines. It's been taken for granted that women can freely participate in elections, Uh, they can participate in decision making, there are no barriers to their political. Participation, but you know, it's always been a question mark in the minds of many women, many feminists who want to see more women representation. Why is it that there is no women's vote? That's uh, something intriguing, I would think. Um, and I thought that perhaps today we would invite a guest who is very, very engaged in education, for electoral participation, for clean and honest elections, for truthful elections. So we have invited Attorney Ona Caritos of the Legal Network for Truthful Elections or Lente. And I I suppose uh, Attorney Ona will also be telling us a little bit about the Barm electoral code from her point of view attorney rona carritos or ona has been an advocate of fair elections since her law school days in the ateneo de manila university she has been serving as the executive director of lente for nine years now lente Is a network of lawyers and paralegals working for truthful elections in the Philippines. She has also served as one of the consultants of the Gender and Development Office of former Commission on Elections Commissioner Rowena Guanzon, who's also been our guest on She Talks Peace. Ona also worked as an election analyst in the Asian Network for Free Elections, or ANFREL, when they had an observation mission in Sri Lanka. Recently, she became a legal consultant under the Office of of, uh, Commission on Human Rights, Commissioner Roberto Cadiz, and a mentor in the Development Entrepreneurship Program, which provides training and mentoring for leaders support policy reform. So, why don't we welcome Attorney Ona to the show? Hi Ona.
0: to all our viewers of
2: Welcome, welcome Ona. So, what did you think about the Barm Electoral Code, Ona?
0: Uh given uh First of all, we would like to congratulate the DTA for passing the Electoral Code. It's yeah. a code that's been you know, a long time coming because we've been working for it. All of us have been working for it for the past two years, especially during the pandemic. Uh, the Electoral Code is not a perfect code. No code, no code is perfect, but uh, as it is at it stands now, uh, at least we will have parliamentary elections this 2025. We'll see how the code will be implemented for the first time. If there, if ever there are changes to be needed, to be done uh, in the electoral code, then we leave it to the newly elected parliament to change the electoral code as they deem fit to change it to better improve the elections in BARM.
2: So they have already approved and passed the electoral code. Elections for BARM is supposed to be held in 2025. Ona, do you think they have enough time to prepare? Because, uh, dear listeners, the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region has a different governance system from the nation. The Philippines is a presidential uh, form of government, but in BARM, the law allowed it to have a parliamentary uh, form of government. So, what do you think, Ona? Is there enough time for the regional government to?
0: have elections in 2025? It's really important that the, the BTA pass this code this first quarter of the year so that it would give more time for our COMELEC into the Bank more Electoral Office to be prepare, because this is the first time that we'll be having a parliamentary elections in the country. So I think, in my opinion, uh, that COMELEC uh, has time. They have enough time, sufficient time to prepare and uh, educates most especially all the stakeholders in BARM about this new Electoral Code. What are Lente's plans
2: in uh, the regional government? What will Lente be doing to ensure that we do have a successful election in uh, 2025?
0: One of the more important provisions uh, in the Electoral Code is the function of political parties to regularly and consistently conduct voters' education, not only for their constituents, but for all the uh, people in the Bangsamoro. So as one of our plans uh, for the upcoming uh, par- bar parliamentary elections, we'll be working closely with the different ministries uh, in capacitating and educating our people, discussing with our people the need to know major provisions in the Bangsamoro electoral code that uh, they won't be surprised uh, by Election Day by 2025.
2: It seems to me, in our national elections, there's always this question mark if it's going to proceed because there are some procedural <laughs> problems. And the thing is, Ona, you have the electoral code and then you're going to have uh, barangay elections for the entire country. So what's going
0: to happen in the meantime? I think there's no reason or excuse for our commission on elections to say that they're preparing for the village elections this October. They're supposed to prepare not only for the village elections this October, but also to prepare for the midterm elections, our regular national and local elections this 2025 and the barn parliament elections. They still have two and a half years from Amina to prepare for that, the midterm and the barn parliament elections. So... They can't use the village elections this October as an excuse that they don't have much time.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: Excuse, excuse, excuse. <laughs> but Ona, let's go to the, the more uh, fascinating topic, the topic of women and mm-hmm. election. All the these nine years that you've been the executive director of uh, Lente, have you seen improvement in the numbers of uh, women's participation in elections?
0: Yeah, but you know, nine years, Mom, I, mean, I feel my age. You've seen me literally <laughs> and figuratively grow the past. Oh, you're years. only half
2: my age, Ana, so don't worry about
0: it. <laughs> okay, but, uh, Bob. We're jolly now. We're happy at this point. But unfortunately, my answer to this question is not a happy answer. We've not seen an increase in the percentage, the number of women in politics. As much as we've been pushing for it, as much as we have been celebrating Women's Month every year, uh, egging on and advocating for more women in politics, unfortunately, the numbers would tell us otherwise. So we're really hopeful with the Bangsamore electoral code because now it has a provision which mandates all political parties that uh, 30% of its nominees for the political party elections in the parliamentary should be coming from the women's sector. And if ever that nominee uh, and that winner or nominee would be replaced, uh, he she would still be replaced by the same sector. So we're hopeful with the Bangsa Mor Electoral Code because we're seeing for the first time a systematic or a, a legal way of correcting what we've seen for the past decades, What the wrong that we've seen for the past decades in Philippine politics, that there's no framework or there's no mandate for our government, for our political parties and candidates to have more women uh, in their roster.
2: Do you think there's a possibility that the electoral code, at least as far as women's representation in political parties are concerned, do you think this could be like a a trigger, a driver for the the entire country to also pay attention? Because, you know, they always say in the Muslim South, women are second-class citizens, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they prefer women to stay at home, and then all of a sudden you've got an electoral code that says, at least thirty percent of the nominees mm-hmm. should be women, so what do you think on? Are you optimistic that this could be like a really great example
0: I am optimistic, Mom Amina, that this would be a great example, not only for women's political participation but also for the kind of government that the barm uh, that the barm has right now because we're also looking at is the parliamentary system of government also the Government that we need for the whole country, not only for the Bangsamoro region. So I'm hopeful that this would be the start of something new and that this would be something that the, national, that the entire country could replicate uh, outside of form.
2: You know, people have been uh, saying that, that the Philippines is an example in ASEAN and in Asia. Because we have had, we have elected two women as president. We have elected two women as vice president. But there are also many who say that just because you're a woman and you're elected to high position, it doesn't bring, it doesn't mean that you bring the women's agenda. What would you say to that, Honor?
0: Again, I, my answer to that is a sad answer because I also agree with that statement. Uh, a lot of uh, countries have been lauding the Philippines as one of the trailblazers when it comes to women's political participation because we've elected uh, two uh, as our highest official in the land. But unfortunately, just like trickle econo- economics, this... Mm phenomenon of having women as leaders does mm-hmm. that, uh, not trickle down to the local government or to the other positions in government so unfortunately uh, we still have much to do when it comes to women's political uh, participation let's go to
2: a more interesting uh, topic for discussion. The Philippines is uh, held up as a major example in the, in Asia okay. for women's political participation because we have, had, we have elected two women as president, two women are vice president, but there are also many who say that just because women are elected to this height, uh, positions in government, it does not mean that they bring with them the agenda of, uh, of women. So tell me, uh, Ona, in your experience uh, working on, on elections, does it really matter? Do women in politics really have an impact?
0: I believe that women in politics really have an impact, Baba Amina, because uh, the perspective of a women leader, especially in politics, they have a different perspective, attack on the policies and programs that the government would take. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes when, uh, candidates, when women candidates are egging on voters to vote for them, they always have the woman card. To push or to convince voters to vote for them. Unfortunately, when these Mm -hmm. women candidates are elected in office and when it comes to the issues which really matter to the sector, they don't vote for the sector. So that's the phenomenon of uh, women leaders not voting for the interests of the sector that they're supposed to represent. But uh, I still believe that we still need to elect women leaders because when we have a government solely composed or Uh, composed mostly of men, the the policies or the directions that 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 government would take would really not be that uh, equal or would benefit uh, the women's sector. Your
2: experience uh, in monitoring uh, elections and campaigning for truthful um, elections, did you ever uh, have reports about women uh, running who are being harassed. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. There were interviews, there were articles about the experience, for instance, of the mayor of Tokyo, the first woman
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: to be elected mayor, and some uh, other uh, female political leaders who talked about the harassment that they suffered online and while campaigning, attributing all kinds of sexual allegations uh, about them, trying to get them out of the race. Does this happen in, in the Philippines? Have you received reports uh, about such uh,
0: practices? Uh, we've received reports. And unfortunately, again, with the rise of the use of social media, Hmm. This the reports have increased to the years because people now are more comfortable because probably of anonymity or they, the their their uh, statements, their uh, discriminatory statements would not be they would not be held accountable for this discriminatory statements. We've seen the rise in the increase of uh, discriminatory statements, not only against women politicians women candidates, but also against women voters or women advocates. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we can only do so much. We've reported this post, uh, we've accepted and uh, reports have been given to us by these women, uh, individuals who are complaining against fellow voters or fellow or advocates. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the action is not that fast or not that efficient or that effective to, you know, deter or minimize this uh, discriminatory statement. No penalties, right, Uh, Ona? No penalties. Well, we have a cyber libel problem, Amina, but a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, when they, especially women, when Mm -hmm. they receive uh, discriminatory statements or abusive statements, against them, for example, uh violence. Some mm-hmm. people would always say they rating kita. We yeah, always yeah. see that in social yeah. media, especially at the height of the campaign period. Only one or two in ten women who receive statements like that would complain and would really go for filing a case against those individuals. But most of the time women just suffer in silence and they will just say to themselves, next time. I, will, I will not be that much active the next time around so that I won't be exposed to statements like this.
2: Because the, the truth of cyberbullying is the fact that you don't really know yes. who's bullying you. So to yes. file uh, a complaint against, right? That becomes uh, tricky.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you can uh, ask for the assistance of the NBI, but not a lot of people would go through that process yeah. of going to the NBI and filing a complaint. Again, just like what I mentioned earlier, they would just choke it up to experience and they would just tell themselves that next time I won't just uh, say my support or express my support to this certain candidate. So I won't be exposed to abusive, violent statements like that.
2: You know that women are doubly marginalized, mm-hmm. right? In terms of access, for instance, to opportunities, and then even more marginalized when there are issues like this, and there is no outlet for them to mm-hmm. seek uh, protection for themselves. But speaking wow. about marginalized, um, Ona, you it seems are the reason that indigenous people have accessible voting centers. And the reason why like the Commission on Elections has a vulnerable sector's office. So tell us more about these accessible voting centers for indigenous peoples. What, what the, what, what's the difference between that and regular voting centers? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Mam Amina, thank you for that uh, compliment, but first of all, it's not the work of Lente, it's the work of the IP organizations, which push for the creation of the vulnerable sector office and the accessible voting centers in Uh, When Lente started out, Mam Amina, 10 years ago, one of our core advocacies is to push for a more inclusive election, especially for the vulnerable Mm -hmm. sectors, and as you know, Mam Amina, Lentes started out in Atene Human Rights Center, and most right. of its volunteers are interns from Atene Human Rights Center. And our internship program, uh, it's mostly in Mindoro. So, we pu kame the internship with the mangyans of the two mm. Mindoros. And we've seen how they've been marginalized, they've been harassed. Uh, we've heard stories of how they're harassed, how they're shepherded into resorts, and for them not to vote on election day. So when we, I started working in Lente, it was, it made I made it my mission to do something to improve the stories that I've heard from my mangyan family when I lived with them a decade ago. And uh, fortunately, uh, for everyone's information, most of the indigenous people's communities, they live far away from the center yes. of the town or municipality. And when they vote on election day, they need to travel for hours. Right. Most of them, they travel by foot, they cross rivers, they go down the mountains for them to exercise their right to vote. And during this transit time or the transit period, this is the time that they're most exposed to harassment, intimidation, Mm -hmm. and uh, threats. So they're not able to vote freely and fairly according to their will. So, with push for the creation of the accessible voting center, meaning the voting center will be located in the community, inside the community of the indigenous people. So they don't need to walk for hours. They don't need to cross rivers and face harassment threats and discrimination uh, coming from candidates, the supporters of this candidate. So that was one of the, actually, milestones that uh, we got out of our work in Lente, the creation of accessible voting centers, which started in Mindoro and now has expanded to
2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's, that's really quite amazing. And uh, to our listeners, uh, Damangyan uh, group is one of the hundreds. No, of it. How many hundreds of indigenous peoples do we have in the Philippines? I can't even remember but the mangyans um are in uh, the middle of uh, the philippines in mindoro and you know uh tourism tip here they do exquisite weaving of uh, uh, bamboo and uh, nito baskets and uh, if ever any of you, dear listeners, are in Manila visiting? Go to the Ayala Museum. They always carry beautiful Mangyan items at the uh, museum uh, museum shop. One of my favorite places to to shop. But it's great to hear about uh, what's happening now to support uh, indigenous peoples. I keep. I keep wondering. Um, it's great that they have, uh, you know, voting centers now in uh, in the communities. That's a major. That's a major step. But um, when you're looking at uh, the participation for for instance of women in in elections in the indigenous peoples' community, is it the same percentage as the nation? Is it is it worse? Are we able to reach them in terms of education of women, about the rights to
0: participate on it? Uh, from our experience, po, in our communities, uh, it's not the same as the whole country, because most of the time, uh, the ones who are the ones who stay in the communities to take care of the kids or to take yeah. care of the livestock or the women uh, members yeah. of the community. The priority for, on election day is for the male members of the community to vote and go out on election day. So these accessible voting centers, it's very important for them, uh, for these women voters, for these women IP voters, so that they could be, they could exercise their right to vote on election day because they don't need to stay in their communities. They need, they don't need to take care of the livestock, choosing choosing this task instead of voting on election day. So what we've seen in the IT community is that more, uh, the women voters are most affected on election day because uh, the male voters go out first before they are able to vote. Wana, why, why do you think we
2: don't have a women's party? Is that a pipe dream? Will women never support a women's party?
0: Uh, I think that there that that is a possibility for Mam Amina. But it needs lots. It needs a lot of work. It needs lots of mobilization and constituency building. We've seen how political it is. Not only to build uh, on all women party, but for example, an LGBTIQ plus plus party. It's right. very political, so it needs lots of work. And it needs lots of constituency building and political work because someone has to give, someone has to see the win-win formula to building an all-women party and not just for a party or just for a certain group in that party to be the overall winner. So it's in the pipeline, Mom ma'am, it's a dream, but... Hopefully we see that during our lifetime that all women party.
2: <laughs> during your lifetime, Ona. I don't know about I don't know about my lifetime. Because I was just I was just thinking you have women's party lists in mm-hmm. in Congress. But I keep wondering why they don't expand. For instance, Ona, um, the village elections, the barangay elections are coming.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And wouldn't it have been practical and effective if some of these women's party lists, for instance, support selected women to run, not even for the village captain position, but to be a member of the council. That doesn't mm-hmm. take a lot of effort, right? It's uh, looking for the right candidate, giving them education. So, so
0: tell me why that doesn't seem to be happening on uh, because of our own omnibus election code, the omnibus and... election code provides that the barangay elections should be nonpartisan. so mm-hmm. par- partyless groups, political parties don't ha- should not play a role in the village elections. So that's one of the factors I think that's one of the biggest factors why uh, why partyless groups and political parties can uh, support women in the village councils or in the barangay elections.
2: And yet, majority of those elected as uh, village captains or barangay captains all belong to major political groups. Or supported. Or Or Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe that's uh, something that Gabriela and the others can actually be looking at. I mean, training women, for instance, for political Mm -hmm. participation. But uh, you're right. Uh, it could happen in your lifetime, Ona. I, I, I think questions. there's a
0: need to strategize for Mom Abine. Yeah. We've worked a lot with uh, the barangays because of our mm-hmm. political participation project in the office. And we've seen the disparity in the ratio between male and female barangay officials. And mm-hmm. we see more male barangay chairperson. Right. Male SK chairpersons compared to right. female barangay chairpersons and SK chairpersons. So, there is an opportunity in the village elections and in the village government lo- lo- government structure that women could uh, enter or that women could participate in.
2: Before we go, Ona, may I ask, um, what is your message for the women especially young women who are listening to us, what is your wish for women in uh, politics, women in elections?
0: My wish is to see more women in politics and in elections. Uh, We've always said that political dynasties, political families is one of the biggest problems in Philippine elections. The second biggest problem is the, the lack of opportunities for women candidates. And women, especially youth women advocates, to be part of the elections and to be part of the decision-making circus, decision-making spheres in our government and in our society. So my wish is to see more women candidates, more women leaders in the different government positions uh, all over the country. Not only in the national, but more so in the local, because we need more women leaders in the local uh, government. because at the local government we need, we can really see change happening and right. I think women really should be at the forefront of change uh, in the different localities all over the country.
2: So maybe if there are development partners listening, they can support Lente to an education and training program for women, particularly young women, on political participation. How to work within the system, how to, how to campaign, what your rights are. We will hope and pray for that to happen, Ona. Mm-hmm. So,
0: we'd love to work pa- with everyone on this uh, to increase women participation in politics. It's about, it's about time, and uh, maybe we
2: can knock on the door of uh, the vice president, uh, Sarah. 30 to reach out and encourage more women to run mm-hmm. for the village uh, for the village council <laughs> So mm-hmm. thank you so much uh, ona executive director Caritos of the uh, lente for joining us today and tackling this uh, matter that's so close to my heart the, uh, the topic of women in politics Harinawa. Inshallah, we will see major changes in our lifetime, Ona, including mine. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ona. And dear listeners, you heard the uh, Ona Taritos of Lente. And uh, this is Amina Rasul saying thanks for joining us today. And hope to have you join us again next week for our next exciting conversation. So from Manila and the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, see you soon. Take care. Bye for now.
1: She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program or other programs of the network.